Hey, Mr. Bob. Want to go on an adventure today? Morning, Mr. Kennedy. Adventure? Don't you have school? The school is still doing conferences, and I finished up all mine yesterday, so I'm free for the day. So what do you say? Are you up for a road trip? Where are we going? Thought we'd hop in the train and head over to Philadelphia, visit Thomas Jefferson's house in Center City. I'm starting to discuss the Declaration of Independence. I need to get my facts straight. As you know, it's nothing like visiting a man's home if you're trying to get inside his head. Zach, that sounds like fun. Besides, I could use a change of scenery and get off this porch. Sure. Why not? Let's go. All right, we made it. Shouldn't be long now, and we'll be walking the same streets as our founding fathers. I always get excited visiting the sites around the historic district of Philly. I hear you, Zach. It's almost hard to believe that in this city of concrete and steel skyscrapers, the likes of George Washington and Thomas Jefferson once rode and hitched their horses on these very streets. It really takes you back in time. You are listening to The World According to Mr. Bob, a historical fiction educational show based on true life events. Some sounds and language may be inappropriate. Listener discretion is advised. You know, Zach, that's when the Second Continental Congress convened in Philadelphia in 1775. It all happened right across the street over there at Carpenter's Hall. As members of the Congress contemplated independence through May and June of 1776, many colonies were already dissolving their charters with England. While all this was going on, it was still unclear if a resolution would be passed getting all the colonies to separate from Great Britain. Then John Adams spoke up. My fellow delegates, while it seems we are united in our desires to break with the king, although to have each colony go at it separately would be counterproductive, we need someone to articulate why. We as Americans are breaking away from Britain. Therefore, I nominate Jefferson to the task. What? Why me? Because Mr. Jefferson, being that you are only 33 years of age, you are one of the youngest delegates at this convention and therefore haven't been around long enough to amass many enemies in this Congress. Besides, you have only written a draft of Virginia's Constitution and after having reading it, I feel you are an excellent writer and the most qualified to explain our position to the king. So you see, Zach, that's why we are standing in front of this house at 7th and Market Street. In a rented room upstairs, Jefferson had 17 days to produce the document. Using only a copy of George Mason's Virginia Declaration of Rights and the draft of Virginia's Constitution that he himself had written as references. It's reported that he was able to write his preliminary version in just two days. Knowing the importance of that document to produce it in just two days was incredible. This shouldn't be that hard. As colonists, we already enjoy our natural and God-given rights like any Englishman. So why do I need to reinvent the wheel? 
I can just borrow the passage from the Magna Carta that states that no freeman could be imprisoned or destroyed, except by the lawful judgment of his peers or by the law of the land. And heck, George Mason already penned his Declaration of Rights. That's thus far been adapted by most of the states. Plus, I've already written the state constitution for Virginia. So I really just need to put it all together in one short, cohesive document. Now for a great opening statement. We the people. Even more so than that, Zach, Jefferson was able to describe the entire theory of American government in a single inspiring passage. Today we know it as the preamble to the Declaration of Independence. What do you think? Let's go inside. Hey, Mr. Bob, check it out. Here's his exact words. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, that to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men, deriving their just powers from the consent of the governed. There you go, Zach. A government of the people, by the people, and for the people. It's actually a very simple concept. One that I'm sure made the king less than happy. But all this is so ironic. This document was an expression of an ideal. Yet in his personal life, Jefferson violated its very basis. He owned slaves. So how could he write and believe that all men are created equal? I know, and that's the irony. But consider the times. The men making all these decisions were wealthy landowners. They needed and used slaves to work their land. At the time, unfortunately, Africans were bought and sold as a commodity. It wasn't right, but it's just the way it was at that time. But thank goodness, his words have come to take on a life of their own. And they are now considered the most perfect embodiment of the American creed. It says here that when Jefferson started writing about the Bill of Rights, that he didn't just make them up himself. Apparently, 10 of the colonies throughout the 1600s already enjoyed charters with England that guaranteed them the basic rights of Englishmen. So, Martha, my darling, what do you think of my declaration? You know, as my wife and life partner, I value your opinion. Wife? Yes. Partner? Thomas? I'm not so sure. You write about all men being free, but what about us women? What rights do I have? I know you're the big landowner, but who takes care of this Virginia mountaintop while you are off gallivanting in Philadelphia? And free men? What about Caleb? Or Jacob? But they are not free. I own them. Exactly. That's what I mean. How can you declare that all men are free when you own slaves? And if I am your partner, then what do I get a say about? How things are run? When do I get a chance to vote? Thomas, your declaration is a good start. But you and the other delegates, you need to reconsider what it truly means to be free. That's 
kind of where the problems began. These colonies already enjoyed a great deal of freedom. They believed that no free man could be imprisoned or destroyed. It says here, except by the lawful judgment of his peers or by the law of the land. So when the king starts pushing his weight around, that's when the colonies started to get upset. Who the heck did he think he was? Who gave him the authority to seize their property or even people just on his say-so? Can you imagine today having federal agents randomly breaking into your home looking for any printed material that criticized the president? Or even to have them search for stolen goods, even without specifying what they were looking for? The king's men would just go door to door looking for stuff. Hey Zach, look here. I think this quote kind of sums it all up. It says in 1761, the prominent lawyer James Otis said, quote, it is a power that places the liberty of every man in the hands of every petty officer. So you mean the British Redcoats dominated the streets? I can't even imagine. Are you ready to go? Yeah, I think I got my story straight now. Let's head out. Come on, Zach, you slowpoke. We can still make this train. You know, you have been pretty good for an old man. So what'd you think? Did you learn anything? Were you able to get inside Jefferson's head? I learned that the Declaration of Independence was really a propaganda document, and not really a legal one. It didn't give any rights to anyone. It was more of an advertisement, like a handbill, declaring why the colonists were breaking away from England. More so than that, our founding fathers signed it. They knew that as soon as they did, they were committing treason. That took guts. I like to think of it as sort of a marriage license, because at that point, they mutually pledged to each other that they were bound to support it with our lives, our fortune, and our sacred honor. Good stuff. Well, we're at my stop. I think I'll walk home from here. Thanks again for getting me off the porch. My rocker appreciates the break. My pleasure, Mr. Bob. According to Mr. Bob, is created, written, and produced by Bob Staniszewski and Adam Staniszewski, with associate producer Zach Kennedy. Recorded and mixed at Crooked Lane Sound in Cherry Hill, New Jersey, by audio engineer and sound designer Adam Staniszewski. Episode number six of season one is titled The Declaration of Independence. It features Joe Levin as John Adams, Angelo Pinto portrays Thomas Jefferson, and Martha Jefferson is played by me, Danielle Byrne. Mr. Bob's graphics were designed by J.R. Farrell at Promotional Graphics Doylestown, PA. The theme songs are provided by Silent Partner and Ease Jammy Jams. For a full list of character and musical credits, please check out our website, theworldaccordingtomrbob.com. And while you're on the internet, please follow our Facebook page for updates. Hit the like and subscribe button on our YouTube channel. If you want to advertise or sponsor the show, please email us at World of Mr. Bob at gmail.com. Or to support Mr. Bob, PayPal him at World of Mr. Bob. Mr. Bob would greatly appreciate it. I'm Danielle Byrne, announcer extraordinaire. Thank you for listening and please tune in to the next exciting episode of The World According to Mr. Bob. This has been a Moon Ranger production.